Hello and welcome to the All Terrain podcast, a brand new series from the Youth and Children's Ministry Unit of the Salvation Army in the UK and Republic of Ireland. I'm Matt White and in each episode I'll be inviting a guest to take a hypothetical hike as we find out about their real life journey to this point. They'll make four choices for the walk and answer four questions along the way. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Horn. Mike is one of the founding partners of ASHA, an award-winning marketing and brand development agency. Hello, Mike. Hi. Is that a good description? Have I got that right? Uh, it'll do. It'll yeah, do. All right, fine. fine. <laughs> <laughs> that usually means no, you've well, got it horribly wrong. It's the kind of job that everybody asks you to explain and you can't really get it, yeah. get it out in one line. So that's fine. That's all right. I've done okay on that. And that's not a bad start, is it? Um, tell me a bit about yourself. I'm 52, about, I think. I've just become a, become a grandfather. Oh, congratulations. Huge fun. Uh, I've got four kids. I'm married. I live in the West Country. I travel around quite a lot with work, and I try and follow Jesus. Mm. And spare time, when, you, when you're not kind of traveling around or doing those things, um, what, do you, what do you sort of do? I read a lot. Mm. I love reading. I play a bit of basketball, not as much as I used oh, wow. to as I, or as, as I would like, and um, I actually spend quite a lot of time in my garden chopping things down most of the time. Okay. Good. Things that you planted once and now you don't want or things that you don't know how they got there. A bit of everything, yeah. really. It's just kind of big and lots of things growing too much. So, yeah. Um, and, and you say you played basketball. So um, yeah. was that kind of something you took up when you were younger or how did you kind of get into that? Uh, yeah, I played when um, basketball was great when I was younger because not many people played it. So yeah. it was easy to be one of the people that were better than the others. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I played quite a lot. And then I ended up coaching kids at the YMCA and wow. doing all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's fun. It's a great sport. Tell us a bit about Asher. We call ourselves a brand consultancy, so we really work with organisations, big and small. We've worked with countries, we've worked with big charities, small charities, big companies, small companies, and we kind of help them discover who they are. So we're all about identity. We say to people that we look for the truth because the truth sets you free, mm. and then we help them express that both creatively and in what they do and the way they do things. Fascinating. Now, before we get started on our uh, our kind of hike together, you need to make two of the choices. Right. So, uh, where are we walking? Um, I think we'll do uh, we'll do a coastal path in Cornwall. Oh yes, which one? Let's get specific. Um, I think I'd probably go for the north coast. Yeah, fabulous. Okay, well that's good, and we got the weather for it as well today, yeah. so we're good. It's a yeah. good one. And and then uh, we're bringing some people with us. Your dream kind of walking companions: one living, one dead, one fictional. Who's coming with us? Okay, uh, I struggled a bit with this because I guess I tried to stop myself doing family because Mm. um, family would be my first choice. So I suppose the living, I'd find it hard to go without my wife. We've been married a long time, been together since we were 18, so I'll probably take her. Um, The dead, my my father died a year ago and I still miss him, so Mm. I'd like to take him. But if if I'm not doing family, I'd probably take Eugene Peterson, who is my, uh, I read his books and I think he's really interesting. Yeah. Very interesting person. Yeah, he is. Um, and then fictional, the my favourite novel I've ever read, I think, is one called The Road by Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a dad in that who you don't even know his name or his race or anything about him. You just know that he's a survivor. And he basically walks this sort of post-apocalyptic road with his child and survives and looks after the kid. I'd take him because I'd like to get to know him a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I have to tag along too. I hope you don't mind. Yeah, no, you're welcome. I, I'm pretty yeah. easy to get along with, said no one ever. <laughs> so let's get, let's get on with our first question. How do you face change? I think over the years I've realised that there's a bigger narrative going on behind change. Mm. Um, And one of the things that I I actually quite like change, Um, I think it's interesting and exciting, but I think we tend to have an attitude to life, which is that it's all about us and we have to start things and stop things and make things happen. Whereas actually, I really like the idea of 
whenever we go into a new situation, we're almost entering a conversation that's already started. And actually with change, I think if we face it with the knowledge that we're part of a bigger plan and that actually things are already happening that we're joining in with rather than we're completely at sea, it helps us face it with a bit more peace and confidence. Mm. Talk to me about some of the changes you faced. So um, you said already, I'm quite interesting, you met your wife when you were 18. Yeah. So you guys then get together, you get married, you have children. That's a huge change. Yeah, I guess uh, we did we did everything young. So we got married straight out of college and we had kids pretty young as well, which was which has been great. Mm. Um, but I remember sitting on a beach and watching another couple just after we'd had our first baby and uh, they were like shouting at each other. He was trying to learn to windsurf and she was doing looking after the baby and the baby mm. was crying and it was all and we sat and looked at them and, and said to each other actually for the next five years let's not try and learn to, mm. to windsurf let's just do this thing <laughs> and um we've kind of ended up with a baby so let's just do the baby thing mm. for a bit and i think i guess part of that change thing is actually facing the change and we, we i think we often go through life going oh this this won't change me it won't yes. make any dif- any difference but actually things do and that's yeah. okay then it's better to look at it and face it and think, how do I live fully in this rather than trying to be like I was yesterday? I remember reading about a community in America that had been part of a, a, one of these terrible shootings and they were talking about finding a new normal. I love that phrase of new normal because mm. there can always be new normals. Mm. And I think I've found that over the years that things change, yeah. but there's always a new normal to find. Yeah. Now, in your work, obviously, a lot of what you do, like you've talked about, is going to countries or charities or businesses or whatever it is and and talking to them about who they are and what they do. I guess that always invariably leads to some sort of change in what they do. So a lot of what you do is that. How do you cope when people are resistant to that? Because I guess sometimes when you bring stuff, they'll go, well, thanks for coming, but that's not what we wanted. Yeah, I think what we always try and do is create something that's better. Mm. Um, And I think that's really, I think that's what, I think that's God's model. Mm. Um, you know, um, he said, behold, I make all things new. Mm. He doesn't say, behold, I kind of patch it together and try and make it a bit better. Mm. It, and so what we try and do is create something that is new and is better and that, um, and then people generally move to it. Mm. Some people don't. And um, it is it is hard. Some people find it very hard to think differently to where they are. Yeah. And we try and take them on that journey. Usually it works. doesn't always work, but but usually it does. Yeah. Um, so I think the key thing is create something that's better than what people have got now. I guess it's the unknown is what people really fear. I think that's true. And I think if you, it's a bit like if you know you have to move house, isn't it? If you if you just know you have to move house, it mm. feels very insecure. If you know where you're moving to, yes. then it's a completely different thing. Yeah. So I think, I think life is like that. I guess uh, 15 years of doing that. So you start this company before the advent of social media you start this company at a very different time how have you guys coped with change along the way i think we've tried to listen and we've tried to be part of it although things those types of communication can change the reality of who we are as human beings what our needs are Mm. how we need to relate to each other all those kind of things those things don't change Mm. it's just that the ways that we do them change you know if you see the issues with social media nowadays and and people talking about social media being a highlight reel for folk and all that kind of stuff well in the old days people talked about dressing up and going to church it was just the same thing it was just expressed in a different way Mm. i think that there's more intensity to it now yes i don't think our needs change Mm. 
but I think the things around us change, and mm. it's about navigating those things. Mm. So the things I picked up from what you said, um, communication is really important, being open and honest about how that works. Listening was something I thought was really fascinating in, in that. And, and also, I guess, the, the, that the sort of key one is going for the better. Yeah, it's that idea of actually, if you understand that change can lead you somewhere better, yeah. that's a great kind of posture I take to face that. Yeah, that moves us into, I guess, then the second question, yeah. which is how do we move through suffering? Yeah, because actually, in suffering, things often aren't getting better. Yeah, They're by their nature, getting worse. So, um, how have you moved through suffering? About uh, ten years ago, I I was diagnosed with a cancer, and you go on this really. Um, kind of uh challenging i suppose journey um with something like that where uh, my journey was that i was um diagnosed with it first of all and then had to wait to learn how serious it was and whether i'd live mm. effectively and in that kind of situation you i had kids i was married even though my wife and i have a really really good relationship we were really we were talking about it together we were going through it together when you're lying in bed on your own at night it's only you. Mm. It's just you. And your, my experience of that was different to hers, even mm. though she's the closest person in the world to me. Mm. My experience was of somebody, and I was wondering if I'd see my kids grow up, mm. if I'd ever see my grandchildren, all that kind of stuff. She was wondering if she'd have a husband. Mm. So they're different. And, um, and I think sometimes we are afraid to admit that life is a bit lonely, and that's okay. Mm. Um, and that's where my relationship with Jesus is so important because I can have a conversation with him about it. And some of those are really big conversations. But that kind of honesty with him and with myself and with others, I think, is important, both in change and in suffering. Mm. And also, I think that it's really important to look at it. Sometimes when we're in really hard situations, our instinct is to escape it. Again, I mean, I think some of this comes down to relationships with other people who can help with this. But I think it's really important to look at what it is and really face what it is that is the hard thing mm. and what it is that that's, that is the, is, is the issue, whatever it is. Um, and then be honest with God. When, when I was going through um, my cancer journey, I had one particular day where I was actually mowing the lawn and I was having a conversation with God about why it was a really good idea for him to heal me. Mm. And I gave him a really good argument about what I'd do if he did heal me and mm. how it would really work out well for him and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of it, I was spent mm. and I just realized that actually it didn't really matter what my argument was. It was just little me and mm. he doesn't really need me, but he does love me. Mm. And I think that in suffering, when you get to that place of complete emptiness, mm. that's when you experience Jesus. Mm. And I think there's, I always love the picture of, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. Mm. I think God's like that. He waits for the vacuum and then he comes in. Mm. But if we fill it with stuff, there's no room for him. But as soon as you get to that complete, I, I just have nothing. Mm. You don't necessarily get what you want, but you do get him. Mm. And and I think for me, that was the only way through it. What sort of things did you or were you tempted to try and fill that with, to fill that place of suffering with? What what did you want to put in that gap? I mean, there's lots of stuff, isn't there? You, you It's really tempting to drink. Mm. It's tempting actually to be angry mm. and just to spend your whole time not I don't think it's wrong to be angry to an extent, but I think it's wrong to indulge it and just stay in it. 
and be resentful. Yeah. And I think the other thing, which is a bit of a funny one, but it's very tempting not to be, not to stay in the moment, to try and escape it and be somewhere else all the time. So all the time be speculating about the future or thinking about the past rather than mm. trying to, to rather than staying in the facts. And, and one of the things that um, Christina and I really decided is that we would stay just in the facts and that we wouldn't allow ourselves to be anywhere else. And I think the other escape for me is I always end up wanting to just indulge myself. So I'd eat more, I'd spend more, or I'd do so, and I'd feel like I deserve it because, yeah. hey, life's hard, so yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's kind of those those things, and then there's the kind of psychological things yeah. as well, I think. And so you talked about the lawn-cutting moment. Were there, were there other moments where you can say, I... I very much realized at that point I had to lose that stuff. I had to empty that stuff. I had to make a different decision. Or was it something that kind of happened in spite of you? My experience is that with these, with really hard times, God gives you just enough. Mm. And I can think of moments where I had just enough to make it through. Yeah. I read once that scripture where it says he makes us lie down in green pastures yeah. and that, those green pastures. Actually, the, the green, they weren't like, lush pastures yeah. like we have they there was just enough for each day yeah in each pasture so yeah. they had they had to move the sheep to yeah. different places and i think that's my experience of god i don't yeah. feel as though i ever get to a point where i just crash out in the field and yeah. let the sun you know yeah, feel the yeah, warmth yeah. of the sun it feels like i get just enough but that's okay it's good mm. but um it's just enough so you have your diagnosis do you undergo treatment? Yeah, so I had an operation and all that kind of stuff. And now I'm completely clear. At the end of the operation, I was given something that says, okay, you're clear. Mm. And then you have to go back for regular checkups. So for mm. years, I was going back for, mm. to make sure I wasn't coming back. And then each time you're refaced with it, yeah, which is um, which is a strange emotional experience. Another friend of mine who had cancer, he talked about it a bit like losing your um, innocence. And yes. I think when something like that happens to you, when you go through a really hard thing, it's like you lose your innocence. Mm. And you have to keep trying to recenter yourself in the Lord each time you're refaced with it because you're no lo you no longer feel indestructible. Yeah. Um, and I think when you go through hard things, there is a bit of you that's died. Yeah. And there's a bit of that childish innocence that's gone. Yeah. Um, and you have to keep emptying that. Mm. How do you practically do that for, for you personally? How do you recenter yourself in God? Do you have a pattern? Is there a routine? Are there certain things you read or listen to or spend time? What, what works for you? I guess for me, it's kind of three things. It's talking with my wife. Mm. It's music helps me. Mm. I enjoy music. I've always thought I didn't enjoy poetry, but I think I probably do. I just don't, I like it to music. Yeah. And I read. So I read yeah. um, uh, the Bible, obviously, but also books about the Bible. I love, yeah. I love the thing that I've found particularly as I've been through the hard times, is that it's okay to ask the unaskable questions. And yeah. if you really look for those, and if you really look for it in the Bible, you don't always get a clear answer, but mm. it's really cool what you mm. do get. And and the more I ask the difficult questions, the better it gets. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy kind of books that are challenging and stretching and mm. make, me, make me really think about things. God's shoulders are big enough, right? Yeah, That's yeah. the thing we've and got so wrong. Yeah, so and, I, and I think the the mystery isn't it's it's um it's because it's so amazing, yeah. not because it's so weird or so yeah. or anything or or it doesn't have the answers. Yeah, it's just that I don't have the answers. Yeah, and 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 actually, you know, when I when I talk to uh, particularly young people today, I just say to them, ask all the questions. Mm. Don't be afraid of any question. Any question's fine. Mm. 
absolutely fine. For me, it's always when, when Jesus takes the child in Matthew and he says, unless you become like this child, you, you won't see the kingdom. And having had a five-year-old now in my life, yeah. if that means anything, it's asked loads of questions. Yeah. I think there was a study recently that said that ch- like preschoolers ask 75 questions per hour or something like that. I mean, that's low for our kid. Like, yeah. that's like, <laughs> but, but that's a big part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. We, and as we get older, that number drops off yeah. because we stop asking questions because we've been told we're not allowed or we think they're stupid or whatever it happens to be. But yeah, asking those questions yeah. and, and having permission to do that. And definitely. And it's also, I mean, on Sunday, I think it was, I was um, in the garden and I found a frog mm. and I showed it to Darcy, who's uh, 18 months, nearly two years. And probably the first time she's seen a frog in real life and she was just looking at it and yeah. sort of watching it jump and all that kind of stuff. And actually, for most of us, most of the situations we come to, they're new. Yes. They're completely new. Yes. We're finding out about yes. them. And it's kind of okay Yes, it's okay it's kind not of okay. to have all the answers. And yeah, 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 absolutely. And and actually, in a way, it's better not to. Yeah. And and I think the security that we have, like I said, is that we, when we get into these new situations and we get into these new things, there's something already happening. Mm. I, lo- I, 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 I guess the thing that over the last few years has been really challenging me and really making me think is this idea that god is always moving mm. because i think we can get into the idea that it's up to us to start things all the time whereas that's just not true yeah it's just not true yeah. he's doing things already so yeah. when we arrive somewhere he's already there doing yeah. stuff yeah our job is to like find out what it is yeah which is great but well, i always i always use the example of the the kind of the last you know kids spot in church before school starts back and someone goes you know don't forget your trainers and don't forget your pencil case and don't forget to pack jesus and, and sitting yeah. there like a kid going how's a 33 year old jewish rabbi going to fit in my school bag <laughs> but the reality was we were we were actually being told something that just wasn't quite there because no. actually what i want my child to know what i want uh, my guys that i work with to know is that God's already moving in your school. Yeah. God's already moving in your workplace. The idea that we have to drag Jesus kicking and screaming yeah. into life with us places a huge amount of guilt on us. But yeah. also then in times of suffering, it's almost like, well, I can't carry him as well. No, because, exactly. And so then we don't realize that actually in that place, yeah. we encounter Jesus there, yeah. no matter how hard or... Yeah, and I, think, and I think there's also a really hard thing, which is that sometimes you don't. Mm. So there's that, passage isn't there where it talks about the storm and the earthquake and all that kind of stuff and then the bit that we never really we never really really listen to is that it says but god was not in that Mm. and i think sometimes it's the absence of god that makes us almost need him more search Mm. for him more and sometimes we're in a situation and i think it's I don't know whether this is really heretical, but... Um, it won't be the only time. <laughs> um, but sometimes you're in a situation and you just think, I, God is not here. Mm. This is so bad. I just can't experience... that. I don't know where he is in this. Mm. Well, that's interesting because that's two different things, isn't it? God is not here and I don't know where he is in this. Yeah, Are two yeah, really interesting true. things. But I think there are certain circumstances where it's like he's absent. Mm. And I've experienced that. Mm. And then I've experienced his presence. Mm. And that's the bit. And I think the the bit that we all yearn for in the end, we look for loads of things. But the bit that we really, really yearn for is his presence. Yeah. And just knowing his presence. And what a relief that is. And so for you, when you were going through your cancer, when you were experiencing that suffering, 
it feels like that's what was the most important thing for you was that sense of God's presence, whether that was arguing with him or yeah. sitting back. That that feels like it was how you moved through that. It was. And, that, and I think, yes, definitely. Because in the end, it was out of my control. Mm. There's nothing I could do. Mm. I didn't, I didn't, there was, and, you know, I was looking at my kids. I didn't, I couldn't, there was nothing I could physically do mm. to to kind of make it better. The only thing I could do is look for him. Mm which is what I tried to do. Not, I wasn't always successful, but mm. that's what I tried. Wow. Um, we've got two more questions, but okay. we've obviously got two more choices as well. So uh, your third choice that you have to make is the playlist. What music? You talked about liking music. You talked about enjoying music. What? What's on the playlist for this walk? Well, I think, how many am I allowed to choose? Uh, well, you know, <laughs> there's no rules. You okay. know, there's freedom here. There's freedom. But, you know, obviously if you get to sort of 15, 16, I might, no, I might no, cut I you off. Do that. Um, so I guess in the early part of my life and this probably makes me sound really old and generic but the I remember when I was a teenager coming across this band that had a a really raw rebellious voice but was at the same time saying things I really agreed with mm. and that was you too believe mm. it or not so when I in my kind of teenage years and um, going to uni I went to see them and all that kind of stuff so they've been for me you too they, they've kind of become something else with like this big yeah. kind of mega band and everything. But in the early days, they were this kind of post-punk. And they were like the first band that, that helped me realise I could have a rebellious voice that was okay. Mm. And apart from that, um, I'd, I always think that if Adam if I hadn't seen Adam Clayton, he had the same hair as me, the kind of curly hair yeah. and everything. So, and, I, and when I saw his haircut, I cut my mullet off. Yeah. So, and I don't think my wife would have married me if I hadn't done that. So that was thanks so to you Adam. Two saved your so marriage. They, they did save yeah, marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Third question: How do we receive joy? I don't know. I, I suppose I, I always think joy is a really funny thing, isn't it? Because I remember growing up in a Christian church and hearing teaching about happiness and joy and how joy is much deeper and better. And at the end of the teaching, I'd always think, actually, happiness sounds better to me. I think I'll just have that. It's kind of, it just sounded much nicer and, and kind of more. Happiness is fun. way more of a laugh. Yeah, it just sounded more of a laugh, yeah. So um, I think for me, joy is that deep sense that everything's going to be okay. Mm. I think I get that sometimes just being outside. Mm. I love the idea that the more you look at uh, the stars, the more stars you see. Yeah. That kind of, that thought of just, and, and we have a garden where I can do that because we've got the town behind us and we've got countryside on the other side, so mm. there's no light um, kind of pollution. I think more and more, the, the, the real joy I get is out of just being present in a moment and enjoying the little things. Mm. You know, um, watching my granddaughter play with an ice pack yeah. for 10 minutes or something and just those those kind of just little things where you just realize that actually a lot of the stuff we really worry about and get preoccupied doesn't really matter mm -hmm. there's a greater thing going on right in front of our mm -hmm. eyes um so so there's that i love i, I was with a, um, a friend of mine the other day and he was just talking about what he felt the lord was calling him to and all that kind of stuff and there was just such a sense talking to him of God calling him and and of a plan for him. And I love that sense of being with people who are just searching for God's plan for mm. them. I think there's such a joy in that as well of the kind of, it's hard and it's unknown and it's mysterious, but it's also really amazing. Mm -hmm. And those little 
adventures and confirmations and tiny miracles and all the things that matter to you that don't matter to anybody else but actually that meant something to me all those little things there's something really wonderful about that yeah there's something about discovery so you look at stars and you see more yeah your your granddaughter is playing with something and discovering more about it and then you're meeting with someone who yeah is discovering true. something new about the lives all three of those things have an element of exploration and discovery to them, which probably tells us something about where joy is found for you. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that is true. And I think seeing something new, mm. seeing something really wonderful. I mean, the old, some of the old mystics, they used to say, didn't they, there are two, there's two Bibles, there's nature and then there's the yeah. Bible kind of thing. Well, yeah. I think they said revelation to be exact. But, um, and I think sometimes when we actually take a moment to really just let, almost let the world speak to us rather than us speak to the world the whole time yes that's where we can really find joy yeah that's where that's where there is something really wonderful the problem with joy is that sometimes it sounds corny yes so we tend to avoid it because it just sounds a bit lame yes but um bash is okay yeah and and um i think the whole kind of slightly cynical cool thing it just gets a bit boring after a while and actually you know watching a mother and a child or watching the fascination of watching a bee working mm. in a flower. It all sounds a bit lame, but mm -hmm. actually when you do watch it, there is something beautiful. One of the things I've been really thinking about recently is this idea of resonance mm. because, and this idea that actually because we're created in God's image, when we see something beautiful that expresses God, it resonates with us. Yes. And I think that resonance is often what we describe as joy, but it takes it it takes a sort of intentionality to do it, doesn't it? And when yeah, you've got to you've got to. I think you've got to be ready to look for it. So the other day, I was I was staying overnight, um, and I was between uh, two business things, and I was supposed to have something to to eat, and it didn't happen. So I had to dash in and get something to eat. So I went into this um, faux restaurant, and I said, "I need a table for one." And they were like, "We don't we don't really have any." And then this <laughs> this kind of student guy on the other side of the room said, "Oh, you can come over and sit opposite me." So I went and sat opposite him and I was reading a book um, called Hesed, mm. which is by a guy called Michael Card. Okay. And so Hesed is the Hebrew word that God uses to describe his character. Mm. And if you, ever, you want to research something, yeah, research yeah. Hesed. It's yeah. the most incredible thing. So it's a whole book on this. He was reading his book. I was reading mine. So I was reading it. And after all, he said to me, do you mind me asking, what are you reading? So I said, um, oh, uh, well, it's a book on one word. And he's all right. So what's the word? So I said, Hesed. And he, and then he said, well, what does that mean? So I said, well, it's the, it's the word that God uses to describe his character in the Bible. So he said, why would God use such a complicated word? Mm. So I said, well, it's not complicated. It's just really layered like love. Mm. So love can mean lots of different things and mm. you can explore it. In so we started talking about this. And then he said to me, so what is Hesed? Describe to me, how, how, do, I, how do I see it? How mm. do I... So I said, well, you know, if somebody does something really wonderful, that they forgive something or they, they give something away that's unexpected or they do something just really beautiful and unwarranted and you watch it on YouTube or you see it on, or, on your Twitter feed or something like that and suddenly it makes you feel a bit emotional. The reason you feel emotional is that that is an expression of God and you're, mm. you're made in God's character and so it resonates with you. So we carried on talking and in the end he said, we, then we finished and he said, well, listen, I've got one more question. I don't believe in your God. Mm. So can I experience Hesed? So I said, yeah, you can. doesn't matter if you believe in, mm. in him or not. 
And he said, that's a really weird way of talking about your religion. <laughs> so I said, well, I think it's just the truth. Mm. Um, and, mm. so, and so we finished. And I said to him, you should go and look for Hesed. Mm. And he said, oh, I will. I'll go and look mm. for it. And off he went. And I just, and it was, that was a lesson to me. Because I thought, actually, isn't it funny how we, we try and, we almost try and restrict it to us. Yes. yes. But actually, we've got this amazing, generous, loving God who just, loves to give and create beautiful moments and create beauty and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And everybody can experience yes. it. It's not restricted to us. And when we do, there's this deep resonance. And I think that's joy. It's like, it's not a private members club. The sinner's prayer doesn't unlock no, a door no. and then all the goodness of God is there. Yeah. The goodness of God is everywhere. Already, yeah. Like all of it. We're all living it all the time. Yeah, I and, love we, that. and we've, um, we have the privilege of being able to have a conversation with him yes. about it and tap into it. Yes. But, but it's not exclusive. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you've got a final choice right. and a final question. So here's the choice. What's in the snack bag? Um, okay. Uh, I think the snack bag is probably, um, peanuts and blueberries. Oh, very healthy. Yeah. I'm trying to do that. At the oh, moment, okay. So I'm just trying to be disciplined. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to put rubbish in there, but then I thought, no, I'll, I'll get told off. So I'm going to, I'm going to be good. Peanuts and blueberries. Yeah, that's a yeah. good, that's a good snack. Yeah. You've got some energy. You've got a bit of sweetness. Yeah. You've got everything you need there. Really? Yeah. I'll give you that. Okay. I'll give you that. You. Yeah. I'm having a bounty. Okay. So you know, no, no, I'm over fine. here. I won't mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. over here with, uh, with the guy from the road. Just yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the final question. How do we mature in service? How have you seen yourself do that? How do you hope to do that? What does that look like for you? I read uh, just recently about St. Benedict and apparently mm. St. Benedict made a, dis a distinction between serving and being a servant. Mm. Okay. Um, and the distinction is a servant is a person, service is an activity. And what he was really saying is that God calls us to be a servant. It's about the person that you are. Yeah. So I guess my objective is to be a servant. That's kind of hard because it takes quite a lot of dying <laughs> to self and to be somebody who is happy to do it in the quiet. Mm. Um, it's not very easy because I'm all the time looking for affirmation and success mm. and stuff like that. But that's where I'm trying to go with it. Is that a shift? Was there a period in your life when you'd have said perhaps that wasn't how you were? Is that a, is it a move or, or something you feel like you've always done? I think I think probably I was looking for more recognition for a while. Okay. I'd, I had a long conversation with God a couple of years ago where he kind of, I think he told me to get over myself a mm. little bit. So, um, I think a lot that, of us have had those conversations. Even, I wonder if God gets bored of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. He seems to be doing them with a lot of people I know. <laughs> it is funny, isn't it? We, we, uh, or I do anyway. I get very preoccupied with myself, yeah. and and still do. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, so yeah. It's, it's it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so that's but that's my that's my objective. Yeah. So rather than maturing in service, you want to mature as a servant. Yes, that's great. That's the that's the aim. That's it for this episode. We've run out of time. Okay. And Mike, I want to say a huge thank you for um, being on the show. It's been it's um, such a pleasure. People can find out more about Asha on your website. They can yep. find out what you do. And if what you do is something that'd be useful to them, they should reach out and get in touch with you. Absolutely. All there. I'll be back next time with another guest who will be facing the four choices and answering the four questions on the All Terrain podcast. Mm -hmm.